Hello, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Today, we have Robin Johnson, host of the Marketing Blueprint podcast and a world-renowned Amazon consultant and expert. Amazon is ever-present, but can be a mystery. Robin, it's great to have you on. Welcome. Oh, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. I love getting to share what I've learned in the last decade or so of eating, sleeping, and breathing Amazon. <laughs> no, it sounds great. Can you share your background and how you became a world-renowned Amazon consultant and expert? Yeah, it was kind of left turn in Albuquerque kind of story. You know, I didn't have any intentions of being a marketer. I was actually a youth minister 10 years ago, not a very uh, capitalistic and sales-driven world. But because of some, you know, my son had gotten sick, we needed some extra money. I just started selling on eBay and Amazon. I'd taken $100 out of our emergency fund and started a little side business. In about three years, we grew that to a million-dollar business. Wow. Um, yeah. We didn't have a lot of, you know, some people can have a, you have access to $10,000 in credit and to start their business. We didn't have any of that. So it was just a lot of hustle and uh, late nights. After we hit that mark, we started to, somebody approached us to start coaching other Amazon sellers. And uh, we did a course on how to sell on Amazon that had about uh, 10 to 15,000 people took that course. So then I started working directly with very high volume sellers. So we were a high volume seller and then we were coaching six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers to help them increase profitability in their Amazon businesses. We moved primarily to wholesale where we were buying things and reselling them there. And in that we identified that Amazon was just this tremendous pain point for brands. There wasn't a lot of information. It was, even though we were really used to that world, we saw how frustrating it was. And so about four or five years ago, we started an agency called Marketplace Blueprint. And what we did is we took that expertise and we started applying it to brands. So now we work with everything from startup brands to brands that are in pretty much every brick and mortar store in their category, some very large brands. And we help them not only with like the full channel management of customer service and simply arguing with Amazon when we have to, because <laughs> that can be part of it. But it's also like fighting the data. City Hall, isn't it? Kind of. It is. It's you know, it's kind of like you know, people talk about how Amazon is frustrating. You know, if you remember back to the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland, Amazon is kind of like Wonderland. It looks like a butterfly, but it's really a bread and butterfly. You know, everything's a little bit different, and so, and then you know, we really have become you know, generated a large level of expertise around listing optimization, SEO for Amazon, and then running advertisements specifically for Amazon. So we run the ads, those companies, and help, can help them gather that data to transfer over to their Google SEO because the keywords that convert on Amazon are very end of funnel. And so they can take your results on Amazon, not only to use that proof of concert, the proof of sales to kind of get into brick and mortar if that's what people are working on or to try to get additional funding, but you can and also use that to expand your marketing off of Amazon. Yeah, interesting. You know, I live near a town where there is an Amazon distribution hub, and my dentist is in that town. And I was down there, and this is pre-pandemic, or maybe it was actually shortly after the pandemic when the dentist opened again. And I was there mid-morning, and there were Amazon trucks everywhere. On every street, it just seemed like they had invaded. It was unreal. You know, Amazon has taken over a large part of e-commerce and it grows so rapidly. And it was growing rapidly before COVID. But with COVID, yeah. it, so many more new adopters have gone into new technologies. You know, my dad is in his 70s and, you know, he had never ordered his groceries online. So, so yeah. many people of all different age groups have 
tried out this technology. And so we will see a little bit of an ebb a little probably once everything goes back to normal, but it's not going to backslide. You know, people are going to continue to focus on Amazon. And we're starting to see more large brands who kind of thought of Amazon as maybe not worth their time or too frustrating to deal with that have really refocused a lot of their goals and organizational effort into growing their sales and presence on Amazon. Let's continue talking about it. It seems to be essential to many of our lives, especially in the past 10 months, 11 months, whatever it's been. How do you think marketing on Amazon changed in 2020? And how do you see it changing in 2021? So as more of these companies, and you know, there's a lot of private label sellers. And private label sellers, if you're not familiar with the Amazon world, that basically means, you know, I'm Joe, I'm in my house and I'm ordering things from China or from India or some other place. I'm having them made, brought in. So it's like a garlic press or a yoga mat or like the traditional uh, things. As more venture capital has come in towards those brands and larger, more established brands have turned more of their ad budget to Amazon, we've seen a massive change in the way that you have to present yourself on Amazon. You know, five years ago, it was field of dreams. You build it and they <laughs> will come. Now you really do have to have a full funnel thought out strategy, but there is, you know, there is some navigation required, but it is still a really powerful place for brands for new customer acquisition because there is such inherent trust in the platform. However, Amazon is really protective over their customers and they do consider all of the people that buy from you, their customers. And so you do have to be really thinking about how this plays in your overarching strategies and to make sure that your Amazon strategy isn't cannibalizing your e-commerce, your website sales, because those do tend to have a higher margin. Yeah, do you think that there are brands out there who hesitated before COVID who have decided to jump in and use the platform? And what were their reservations beforehand, I wonder? Yeah, so we have 100% seen that. You know, we've seen massive increase in interest and inquiries because we do a little bit of, we do in-house training as well as channel management. And, you know, the concerns that they had had previously was, you know, we don't want to upset our brick and mortars. There had been concern about sales tax. You know, there's some changes that happened in the last two years that kind of alleviated a lot of that stress for many brands. Changes in the way that Amazon collects tax on behalf of their sellers for many states, not all, but for many states. And then a lot of times it comes down to resources. If everybody on the team is already strained, to learn this entire new ecosystem is just a lot. And Amazon, you know, I talked about Alice in Wonderland. Uh, a lot of people will go into Amazon. They say they tried it. They didn't work. And a lot of that is because Amazon labels things the same as they do on Google for many areas, but they can have a completely different meaning and implementation. So for example, even if we just take something simple like the match types for advertising, they're labeled, both broad matches labeled the same on Amazon and Google, but broad match is completely different on Amazon than it is from Google. It's more like how it was, you know, several years ago where it was hmm. kind of, so the, the way that a lot of companies, it was just overwhelming and trying to figure out, should they use FBA? Should they not use FBA? Understanding Amazon's policies, because there's quite a few, it can it'd be really overwhelming for a company that maybe has only primarily done traditional advertising and brick and mortar sales. It can be a lot to do all at once, unless you have somebody there that can help you with that. Yeah. So say I'm a retailer, I don't know, in the Midwest or 
something like that. Maybe I sell fishing supplies or I don't know what. Widgets. <laughs> How can I prepare for using Amazon? What are the things that I need to kind of get set before I even go to the website and start signing up? So the first thing we want to do is we want to make sure that your product is right for Amazon. So there's certain things that you can't sell on Amazon or very difficult to get invites to. So if you have a cold grocery item that's not shelf stable, you're going to have to go into Amazon Fresh which is an invite-only program. If your product is custom-made, there is a special product or a special uh, area called Amazon Handmade that allows you to do that. But you're not going to expect the same sales. So, you know, I things that do the best on Amazon.com, you want to be able to mass produce. And then we want to look at supply and demand. So you can use tools that are out there to help you go in and search specifically for your brand. Some tools that I love are Merchant Words, Helium 10, and then the SEM Rush team is starting to develop some tools called Sellerly under the Sellerly umbrella. So those are all great. But let's say you go into Merchant Words and you say you type in your brand. You want to see if people are already searching for your brand. If you don't want to pay for a tool, just start typing into that Amazon search bar and see if your brand auto-completes. If your brand auto-completes, that's a good sign. That means people are already searching for your product. Hmm. And then, you know, we want to look at demand. So let's say you sell yoga mats. There's nothing specifically special about your yoga mats, but you're in several brick and mortar stores. If there's not something that is a product, a USP, right? There's not a unique selling proposition. Then <laughs> you might go on Amazon and be like, wow, there's 7,000 different kinds of yoga mats. That's going to be expensive for me to compete on. Now, if you, you have brand search for your brand or there's something that makes your yoga mat special that you can market on, then that's still a green light. But we want to look at, is there other people already searching for your product? Because people find, primarily find products on Amazon through search. Very rarely are they going to a URL. So yeah. you need to make sure that what keywords are people going to type into clickety-click into that search bar that my product would be a relevant match for, making sure there's enough search for that, and then looking at how much uh, competition we're going to have. And, you know, it's it pretty easy to get information on how to do that really basic product research. And then you can always hire somebody to do an analysis as well. Yeah. It's kind of like I've done a lot of work with Google and AdWords, and it's kind of similar to that in that, you know, when you're trying to advertise yourself, you kind of figure out what are the keywords and, and, you know, are the keywords competitive? Are there enough searches on the keywords and so forth before you even begin your campaign? And I guess that what you're talking about with Amazon, it's about how you position your product. Now, your yoga mat, maybe you didn't think of it as a classic yoga mat, you know, right? Maybe you're making something else, an exercise mat, but maybe if you position it as a yoga mat, then you can market it more effectively on Amazon. There's some kind of dawn breaks on marblehead moments that you have when you're searching in Amazon as you prepare to start selling that, oh, I could market this as this rather than as something else. Yeah. And Amazon has been, you know, for a while, Amazon's advertising made it difficult to kind of create demand, new demand, but they're expanding that out, right? So they have new products. So you could say, let's say you have a product that's very similar 
to a particular kind of, you know, let's say you have a certain kind of coffee. People who love Death Wish highly caffeinated coffee are going to like your product, but <laughs> it is different than that. So you, right. there's not a, a clear search term phrase that is going to provide, be like a clear winner. To So you need to try to target those. Amazon now allows you to target the specific product pages of Death Wish coffee. You know, when people type in Death Wish Coffee, you can bid on that keyword to be both on the top and kind of in the middle so that your product can be shown. And then there's also now video ads. So let's say you have a, a new and improved beach right. bag that uh, maybe it has a magical folding tent that comes out of the side of it. If that's the case, you can actually have video showing that on popular beach bag searches that are going to mm -hmm. be relevant. So you'd probably focus on like the luxury beach bags to keep you in the same price range. And you can use that to try to generate some initial conversion, some initial demand. And then Amazon is also rolling out new things like Amazon Lives, which Amazon Lives is very much kind of like QVC, where you kind of, you demonstrate your product, you can share things, but it doesn't need to be as polished. And then also Amazon Posts. Yeah. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalit.org today. It's interesting. Whenever you search for something on Amazon, how important the imagery is. So you'll sometimes see multiple entries for the same kind of product. And if you click on one and there's only one image and it's kind of grainy, I'll go back to the search page again and find one that shows whatever it is I'm searching for in detail. So those images, I got to think, are really important. Images and video are so important now. And, you know, sometimes I'll get a smaller brand that says, well, I looked at Lego's listings and they're selling really well and they don't have great listing or great images. The difference is that Lego has so much search volume for their brand already. People already know exactly what it is. They're not browsing for that product. They're coming in and purchasing it. The demand is already there. So if you have a yeah. younger, the younger, smaller, scrappier your brand is, the more your images need to be on point. And if you're a large brand, you want to make sure that your images are right on point because we don't want some of these smaller brands or maybe a knockoff version to be able to outsell you because the images are basically your salesperson. All the things, if you, you know, if you sell clothing, when somebody yeah. walks by that rack of clothes and they run their hands along the edge of the rack to feel the fabric, we need to give all of the answers that we would get in that physical interaction in those images. What is the texture like? You know, is it going to look cheap? Is it itchy? You know, how is it going to fit? All of these things we have to communicate in the images. And yeah. now that video is available, I highly recommend you use video, especially if you have a product that transforms or functions. Yeah. And I would guess the images are, once you're on the listing page, are more important than the copy you use because they're right there at the left. You want to click on them before you even read about it. Yeah. So when you're even kind of, so many people will only look at the images. And sometimes, you know, in the Google space, we talk a lot about mobile first optimization. On Amazon, if you go on your mobile mm -hmm. device and you look at your products on Amazon, the title and the images are really the only thing that is above the fold for you to be able to make those decisions off of. Yeah. So everything that you have in your bullets, that you have in your enhanced brand content, that section in the middle of the listing, we want to make sure those most important pieces are also reflected in the images. 
Interesting. So we talked a little bit about search, and I want to learn more about search and how paid algorithms work. It feels mysterious, but I bet you can tell me it isn't. So, you know, anybody who tells you that they know exactly how Amazon's algorithm works, they're lying because <laughs> they would have <laughs> such a tight NDA. You know, Amazon's right. not going to let those secrets out. It's much more opaque than Google. Amazon will roll out something, and it's only through being part of the Amazon community that we kind of group think it out and kind of identify what we think those changes are. But if you wanted to oversimplify it, Amazon is the greediest, most capitalistic search engine out there. So while mm -hmm. Bing and Google, they want to see dwell time, they want to see unique, fresh content, they want to see click-through rate, those things do have a role in Amazon's listing or algorithm or search algorithm. But more important, it's Amazon's looking for if I present this option for this search term, what's most likely to get me the sale? So there becomes this chicken and the egg problem. In order to get sales on Amazon, you have to have sales. Right. So you have to use something like advertising or running an email promotion or doing something to drive some initial conversions for new listings on Amazon, unless you're a brand like Lego, to cause those initial conversions so that your product will start to rank organically. And that's what's made it so companies need to think yeah. a little bit more strategically because before there was so many shoppers, but not as many brands really focused on really optimizing for Amazon. You could just put it up there and it would sell. As we're getting more competition, more brands are coming into Amazon, we have to think strategically about making sure we're gathering the correct data, that our listings are op optimized, and then we're giving them a proper launch. And that includes making sure that you get good reviews. And the investment that you can make in reviews is really going to pay off in multiple sales channels because people window shop in brick and mortar and they look at the reviews on Amazon. Same for maybe your own website. People want to see those reviews. Amazon has a new program out that a couple of new programs that are programs that, that you can utilize. The early reviewer program, Amazon Vine, and then there's a request a review button, which Helium 10 has a tool to automate that. And they say that the number of reviews increase about four times. So we generally tell people without that, we can expect one to 3% of customers to leave a review. To get 12% in reviews is a pretty big jump. Hmm. You mentioned FBA fulfillment by Amazon earlier. What are the keys to navigating it as a retailer, a merchant, small or large? The first is you want to be, before you jump into Amazon FBA fulfillment by Amazon, you really need to take the time to understand the fees, the prep requirements, and also the storage fees. So because of the way that FBA's fees are determined, there's a percentage fee that you pay no matter whether you ship it or it is FBA. However, with with the FBA fees, it includes the cost to ship the item to the customer, to put it in a box for the customer, and handle any returns, right? So it does handle quite a few things. But if your product is a half an inch over this size tier, so basically, you know, so if you're in, for some products, you know, if your thing goes is 5.25 inches on the longest side instead of five, or it's just over a certain weight, it can change your fees for, you know, as little as maybe a dollar per unit. But sometimes on those larger items, it can change it by eight, 12, $15 per unit. So yeah. you really want to make sure sometimes companies do need to look at repackaging. 
in order to, you know, increase profitability on Amazon. But most of the times, you know, especially if you're selling something like a rug, sometimes even just having those items folded in half before you send to Amazon, uh, that can make a significant difference. And if you've already sent it in and the fees are set, once you have that, uh, you've been sending in those other ones at the lower size for a while, you can have Amazon uh, do what's called a Cuba scan and reassess those fees if you identify that maybe the measurements might be off. Oh, interesting. I have noticed recently that there's more Amazon-specific packaging. It's not packaging that you would find on you know, a shelf at a retailer as commonly as it used to be. It's packaging that is specific for Amazon. So it's, you know, brown boxes and nothing really fancy. Whereas, you know, in the earlier days of Amazon, you'd just get something that could have hung on a shelf at Walmart. Yeah, and sometimes that's because it's an FBA, could be a somebody on Seller Central selling FBA and they're looking to reduce their fees. Of course, we can only do that if you're the manufacturer. Uh, if something, if you're selling through Vendor Central or you're buying from somebody when it says, it says shipped and sold by Amazon, so if it says sold by Amazon.com, Mm-hmm. On Vendor Central, they were really pushing what they were calling SIOC, ships in own container. And so mm-hmm. they were really pushing kind of these self-shippable units. And you had to get certification. And then there were also, for a long time, there were a lot of incentives around frustration, free packaging. And so, you know, anybody who's been on Vendor Central, they see SIOC and a lot of them get frustrated because the certification for that can be frustrating as with many things at Amazon. But it was to try to increase it profitability. And there have been whispers for the last two years, both with my contacts in Amazon and with people who work in high volume on Vendor Central, that they are looking to shift from focusing on Vendor Central as they did in the early years with bigger brands to trying to really encourage even larger brands to sell on Seller Central. And they've been increasingly offering incentives like brand analytics. They've been adding special tools. There are certain programs that you can only get to through Seller Central on certain data that you can only get to. So if you're a data is really important to your organization and having more transparency into like page views and sessions and conversion rates. There is some of that that's available on Vendor Central, but there's a larger data set that's available on Seller Central. Yeah. One question I wasn't thinking of asking you until just now is about competition. It seems like Amazon is peerless in many ways, but it does have competition. Are there any competitors you see that that might sneak up on Amazon? I found that I turn to Etsy a little bit more. I don't go to eBay as much as I used to. But I'm just wondering what the competitive landscape from a retail standpoint. Now, Amazon is into a lot of stuff, not just retail, but but from a retail standpoint, where do you see competitors? Yeah. So there's nobody at this very moment, there's nobody that, you know, you sell this much on Amazon, you'll probably double that if you sell on another sales channel. Walmart is positioned really well. Target is positioned really well. They've started to invite some third-party sellers. Best Buy and Sears have also, but none of those are quite the size of Amazon. So if you're looking to kind of increase your overall sales volume outside of Amazon, then you really need to look at your category. So for example, you know, for uh, 
Automotive still does pretty well on eBay, but mm-hmm. obviously that's not going to sell well on Etsy. So you want to look at kind of the intent of your buyer. Handmade car yeah. or something yeah. on Etsy would yeah. be really interesting. Made out of paper. Yeah, or a little something. paper mache yeah. car. Not quite the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there are sub sites that can do well. Like an overarching rule that we kind of tell people as of right now, and in Walmart, is been inching. They really, they have been some big, taken some big ground in the last year. But we tell people plan on 10 to 30% of whatever you're selling on Amazon and on other sales channels. The other question we get is, you know, I'm doing really well on Amazon.com. Should I just expand to UK and Canada and Mexico? And again, that's going to come down to the psychographics and demographics of your customer base. We have a tool company that does wonderful in Mexico. But if you just expand to those different countries to to provide additional eyeballs, those marketplaces are significantly smaller than Amazon.com. And so just like moving to Walmart or to Etsy, you're just not going to see the same volume as you do on Amazon.com. Yeah. So as we wrap up, let's think about the future. Where do you see Amazon headed in the next two to three years? I think it'll still be the behemoth in three years, five years, maybe even 10 years. But where do you think it's headed? I think that Amazon will for sure be in the top three. There's always a chance, you know, you get too too big for your britches. Sometimes it's easy to just assume that you're going to be the best and they could lose some competitive edge. However, the culture of Amazon, if you haven't read the 14 guiding principles of Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, the day one – there's so much built into their culture about being innovative and driving. I still see them being having significant market share. I think the way that you market on Amazon is going to change pretty dramatically over the next two years. Amazon has been really pushing brands for Amazon stores, for brands to create and develop their stores. They've been expanding their advertising product mix out significantly. And so, well, five years ago, Amazon was mostly scrappy sellers, you know, some companies that were, you know, kind of apex brands were selling on Vendor Central, but it was kind of this mix of very large brands and then individual resellers and and kind of that mix of sellers. I think that you're going to see more brands selling directly. And as those ad dollars are brought over to Amazon, you're going to see just kind of a sophistication of the marketplace. I kind of look at the evolution of how Google and Bing have grown and how things have changed and how they've dealt with black hat tactics. And we see that Amazon is doing that just at a faster pace because they have someone to look at. Yeah, it's interesting, kind of gaming the system, right? Yeah. Well, Robin, I could talk for a long time about Amazon. I find it to be kind of a fascinating website, a fascinating culture, and just the way in... 22, three years since it really started coming on that it's become embedded in all of our lives. It really is a fascinating subject. It really is. And it's always changing. I think that's what I love about it is that there's always something new to learn. There's always the newest techniques and it's a fun puzzle that's never completely solved. And there's so much opportunity. We've been able to drive growth for both established and young brands that, you know, completely blow out their other sales channels just because it has been so untapped, you know, in the kind of that sophisticated marketing strategies. So it's been really, really fun. And I love what I do. Yeah, so it's funny, something this big, and you use the word untapped. I mean, it's a huge opportunity. There is, you know, there's a lot of people just, you know, most of the advertisers are using this one specific type of uh, ad product, sponsored products. And so there's 
these new ad products that aren't even really being completely utilized. And so the CPCs for those are still pretty small. And, mm. you know, when you look at, you know, the video ads, the DSP, the sponsored display, you know, sponsored brands is starting to get pretty ubiquitous. I can't talk today. Um, pretty widely accepted, but there's a lot of new products and a new development. And Amazon is providing a lot more training on that. They have the Amazon Learning Console where you can go and get certified in Amazon advertising for free. That's great, Robin. Thanks so much for joining me. You know, I think I got to get going because I think we just got an Amazon delivery, so I better go get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It was great. Thanks. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Reed Edwards, executive producer, writer, and host of Confessions of a Marketer. Shep Salau is my producer, helping put together the shows every week. Annalyn Timball is my assistant, and she helps with guest relations and getting everything scheduled just right. Thanks, Sheb and Annalyn. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. Stay healthy, and see you next time. Thank you.